you guys get to know him ahead of time? Okay. Well, uh, praise the Lord, and it's good to be here, and it's good to be with all you beautiful ladies. You are looking so awesome this morning. Give yourself a hand. Out 
of my house. It is undeniable that God is calling us to sustain our hunger, not just on Sundays, not just on revivals or conferences. God wants us to be hot or cold all the time. He wants us to be hot all the time. Yes, yes he does. Amen. God didn't call us to be pew warmers or church potatoes. That's right. He called us to become more like him, to hunger for him. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourself, your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That was Romans 12, 1-2. It is Christ's will for us to continually and unceasingly become more like Him. So the core of my message today is the pursuit to answer the following question. Why do we struggle to sustain our genuine hunger for God? And I believe the most obvious one is that many of us don't maintain a prayer life. We don't maintain reading the Bible throughout the week. How can we maintain our love for Him if we do not continually communicate with Him? How can we expect the Holy Spirit to reveal to us how we can grow in Him if we don't give Him more of our time? How can we allow the Scriptures to transform our minds into more like Christ if we do not ever pick up the Bible? However, I, I totally understand that things can get in the way. The main thing is that we get distracted whenever we, we get out of a conference or a teen camp or something. We get distracted. We have homework. We have family. We have church. We have all these different things. And things just get in the way. We, we end up pursuing another goal. We say our main goal is to become more like Christ, but somehow we end up accepting another goal as our main goal. And it gets in the way. Like I said, I understand. In the last two years, I graduated college, moved twice, started a new job, got engaged, planned a wedding, bought a house, got married all during COVID.
this is what we're going to do. And so the key thing is setting a schedule to read the word and to pray, even if you mess up a few times. Get back into it. Get back into it. Saint tries to tell you that, like, oh, it's not good enough. You you messed up. You should should might as well not do it anymore because you'll mess up again. No, keep on. Try again. Try again. And then another key thing is to have realistic uh, amount of prayer time. If you're not used to praying, it's probably not advisable to plan five hours of prayer. <laughs> Your first time, expect it every day. Like that's unrealistic. Expect you know how much time you can have. And so if it's 15, 30, 45, and some, like my mom, all of her kids are out of the house. So she can probably have two hours to three hours to pray. And it's, she can have that time. It's a lot easier for her. So it's, it's having that. Also another thing is don't set it at an unrealistic time. If you're not a morning person, do not schedule your prayer time at four o'clock in the morning. Do not. A lot of people say, oh, you have to do it in the morning. You have to do it in the morning. And I think it is good to start out with something in the morning. But if you're not a morning person, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You really are. And so I remember in college, my best time was right after school. It was right after school. Uh, it was about 4 o'clock. And gave God 30 minutes to an hour. And that's what I can do. And then some of you, it's going to be after you put the kids to bed. And that's going to be the best solution for you guys. You cannot expect to maintain hunger if you do not set out time to read about him or to be with him. That's right. Yeah. So, this next one is something that I've been wrestling with in my heart on whether to share because it's a really, really hard one for the church to handle. Um, the second reason we may struggle to maintain our hunger for Jesus is because we might have doubts about Christ. The first type of doubt we can have is the questioning of the validity of the Bible. How can we be hungry to become more like Christ if we have major doubts on whether the scriptures are true? I heard a statistic on the leading cause of young adults leaving the church. It's not because they think churches aren't relevant enough. It's not because they don't have the news to music. It's not because churches aren't serving enough coffee. It's because they are doubting whether the teachings in the Bible are true. They really don't think the Bible is true anymore. They hear scientists online talk about evolution and the younger generations are believing it. They ultimately don't know how to reconcile the truths in the scientific world and the truths in the Bible. So they just pick one. And it seems now more than ever they're choosing science to be their guide for life over the Bible. I went to public school and I remember struggling with this myself. My science teacher taught evolution as if it was a fact. That the Big Bang was the cause of the earth. And for me this caused so many questions in my faith. I didn't want to ask anyone 
any of the questions because I didn't want to sound like I was losing my faith. I didn't lose my faith during this time, but it did make it harder for, one, for me to want to be on fire for God. Because I knew I could have faith beyond what I saw. I understood that. Because life's about that. You've got to choose to believe beyond what you see sometimes, even, yes. even in science for different things.
and learning how to grapple with it and marry the two. And I can't answer a lot of those questions because those could be a sermon in and of itself, a teaching, a whole book. So I encourage you to find books. If you have some questions where you look at scripture and you're like, I wonder why that's in there. And I don't know why. Or I feel like this might be contradictory. I promise you that there is some theologian, some apologist who has faced those questions and can answer it in such a beautiful way so that you can get back to being full for God. Everything he's called you to be. And I feel like this is something that a lot of times the church doesn't face. Is that we have doubts. We have doubts. And I believe God is the God who wants to answer some of them. There are some questions that can't be answered. And I understand that. And you've got to just maintain. Because there's questions even science can't answer. And they just ask us to have faith in them. And so... The, the key thing is, is that I, I don't want you to waste time on having questions and them nagging in your mind if there are already answers there. And so you <coughs> run after God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and to give Him everything you are. <coughs> so this second type of doubt, and I think this is... <laughs> The hardest one for me, the second type of doubt is a doubt that comes from painful life experiences. Yes. These are the questions that we have for God that are personal and extremely private. Often they are the doubts of God's faithfulness and God's goodness. Desiring to be more like God is out of the picture if you are doubting that He is even good. We have questions like, how could He allow this to happen? Why did God allow this to happen to me? There can be doubts that swarm us in this way and they can try to take us down. A few years ago, I was in a prayer meeting with my mom and we were just praying about all different things and then we actually got in a, a conversation. It was almost a small little conflict. And we were discussing and trying to get to the root of it. And we were trying to figure out what was happening. And I just asked my mom, like, do you have faith? Like, do you think that God can do this? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But we kept on talking and talking and talking. And then she looked me straight at in the eye and she was like, actually, I don't know. And I'm like, why? Why do you not know? And then she started crying. And she told me, she's like, how can I believe that God is faithful with this next thing if our house in Mississippi, we've been trying to sell for seven years. We've been praying and we've been fasting for it and it hasn't sold. Why? She's just 
started crying. It's been seven years. Think how much money was going into that house. She was crying. We were able to discuss it and go through the cry together and go through the process of what was happening and what she was really feeling. She faced it. She faced it. And after the end of it, I can tell there was just a relief on her face. She faced that doubt of God's faithfulness because of experience she had. Sometimes you can feel alone with these questions. You can even try to have as much faith as you can to suppress these questions. And sometimes that's okay because not everything can be answered. Not everything can be answered, but some can. Some can still stay and nag and try to keep you from moving forward. I would ask you to face this doubt. I want you to reflect in yourself. I'm not asking you to actually doubt God. Look in your past and try to find all the reasons to doubt Him. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, is, is there one that's nagging in your brain that is trying to restrict you? To want to become more like Christ that's restricting you from worshiping Him with all you are in worship. Sometimes praying through will resolve the unrelenting question. Like with my mom, we're able to pray through. And we're going to provide time after I speak, after I finish. We're going to provide time to face some of those questions. And sometimes there may be scripture verses that will give you comfort to help you with it. Sometimes reading an inspirational book will give you insight on how, how to resolve it. But sometimes you cannot do it alone. You will need someone to come alongside you and allow you to spill your heart out to them and pour out the questions you have. When I was at Evangel, I actually took advantage of some of their counseling services. There were just some questions I had. There were situations I was running into that I didn't know how to get past. And these were Christian counselors who were advising me. I was, I was able to spend a week or two, a few weeks, to just pour out the things that I was dealing with. And they were able to reverse some and most of the issues that I was running into. Sometimes these wounds that need to be dealt with need to be handled with care. They need to be held, handled with a counselor. And I know uh, most pastors are willing to have counseling sessions. And that's, that's often the nearest counselor to you that can help. And then there's also people in Springfield. There's uh, Christian counselors there. There are probably some in Joplin. If there are some things that are deep enough that you feel like you need to go to a counselor for. But I do know that God, I've seen miraculous things happen where God heals people instantly. But I also know, and I've seen it firsthand, that sometimes you do need another person. It doesn't mean you don't have enough faith. It doesn't mean you don't have enough faith. 
You're not failing God. You're trying to face your doubt. How can someone say that you're not having enough faith when you're trying to face it? Again, I believe counseling can help. If there are questions that are slowing you down spiritually or stopping you, I ask you to face them. Of course, it's important to be discerning on who you talk to. It's not just anybody, of course. Not everybody who says they're your friend is going to be your friend. Amen. And so you need to know, you need to even be up front. Hey, I'm going to be talking about something that is very personal. And it might even sound like I'm doubting God, but I'm wanting to face them. I'm wanting to get them out because I know it's restricting me from loving God from giving everything. I'm not saying that it will be easy or it will be a fix-all solution to every situation. It will be like the children of Israel leaving Egypt. Your promised land won't be handed to you on a silver platter, you'll have to fight for it, and you'll have things that will come against you in trying to face these doubts. But it will be better than not facing the things that are holding you back from the promised land, from becoming what God has called you to become. You won't know what God has already shown other people if you keep the painful questions inside. I would like uh, the worship team to come up. Like I said, this was a, a really heavy topic. But God... I just felt God say, I want you to really deal with why people truly struggle to be hungry. Why do they really truly struggle? Especially when they're good Christians, they're trying to be the best they can be.
they're not willing to grapple with it. And lastly, I ask you to deal with the doubts that, cause, that are caused from personal pain. God has so much in store for us. There's an adventure He wants to take us on. He wants to show us love and He wants to be there in our pain. It's going to be a roller coaster. It's not going to be an easy ride. But some of these things are the things that are stopping us from giving everything. And I want to ask you, are you willing to face them? This morning, I want to ask you if there's anyone who would like to face these things that are restricting your hunger. If it's restricting your hunger, I would like everyone to close their eyes. Right? 